the sun is shining and all of my favorite plant friends are popping up right now. Speaking of plants, what are you growing this year? Do you know? Do you know what kind of medicine will be in your garden? Or are you still trying to figure it out? Totally okay if you're still trying to figure it out. We're all growing and learning on this journey, right? But if you want some help, I do have a family medicine garden guides. It's basically 10 essential herbs that I feel like every mom needs to know and grow in their yard. I give you some growing tips and ways that you can use it as medicine, and it's totally free. So if you want that, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes here for you to grab it and give Get your hands digging in the dirt and growing incredible medicine for you and your family. And I was thinking about that when you had asked at one point, just uh, what makes an herbalist, you know, or what do you think makes an herbalist? And it's like when the plants grab you and you know, you want to take care of them and make it better for them and the animals, the insects that survive, you start connecting in and you're like, oh, you see that bigger picture and, and your duty as a plant person to make sure you're tending to those plants and cultivating them and creating an environment for our insects, our birds, frogs, you know, the bees, it's all an integral part. Like we are part of that web and we're all connected by that web. Welcome to the Herbalist's Path, where we're on a mission to inspire a movement where there's an herbalist in every home, again, with your host, clinical herbalist, Melissa Mutterspaugh. everybody. I'm really thrilled to be introducing you to my guest today, Krista Sinadinos. She is the author of an amazing book, The Essential Guide to Western Botanical Medicine, that we'll chat about a little bit more. She's also the founder and the director of the Northwest School for Botanical Studies in Northern California. So she's got well over 30 years of experience as an herbalist, and she's brilliant, I can say, via the book that I have of hers. And I think we're going to pull out a bit more of that brilliance throughout the show. So Krista, I'm super grateful to have you here. Thank you so much, Mel. It's a joy to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you for having me here. Yeah. So 30 years in herbalism. That's exciting to me. Um, That means I was 12 way back then. So (laughs) I'm sitting here looking at you and going 30 years. No way. We're just babies. We're babies. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? That's what I love about herbalism. I'll always feel like there's so much more to know about the plants and just, I did start, start this as a baby and I still really feel like I don't know anything. (laughs) You know, it's exciting. It's Absolutely. I feel that way so much. Like it's so exciting and we don't know anything yet. We know so much more than a grand population of our nation at least. So, so it's really exciting to know that you run a school about it and you're teaching others about this. Cause I, I think it's one of the most important things in my opinion, it's one of the most important things we can do for our precious planet. So, um, so how did it start for you 30 years ago? Well, um, I feel fortunate because I was introduced to the plants uh, through my grandmother. I'm Greek. And so, you know, I think 
Um, it wasn't any type of a formal education, but I, she always had a garden. She always was bringing, you know, herbs in her pockets and aprons and putting them on paper towels or drying them in windowsills or bundling them or sedating my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Love that part. And she yeah. never sedated you, right? No, no she didn't. <laughs> I had, um, you know, the Greeks are kind of loud and boisterous, and um, a, a few of my cousins are a little hyperactive, so she was a, a fan of chamomile. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so I feel like that introduction helped me feel more comfortable using herbs and just seeing her integrate them in all of her foods. And, you know, I love Greek food. Of course, I'm biased because I was raised, but she was a great cook. And so... Um, it it came naturally to just in integrate your herbs into food and use those as medicine and that's the foundation that i started with um and then when i was a teenager uh, my father passed and i went into a pretty severe state of grief um because you know i grew up in a family that didn't talk about that kind of stuff and i didn't have the tools to really process that and i got really sick um and doctors didn't know what was going on and like many herbalists kind of came to the herbal path by through illness and learned you know they didn't have anything to offer me and so i got better with herbs and i started you know we i lived in a northern well in michigan i should say and um and there were so many plants around us and woodlands and I spent, you know, most of my childhood like playing in those woods and suddenly realized like there's medicine there, you know, and those things that I used to ride my bike through nettles, you know, and mm -hmm. curse as I was going through and sting for days like those are actually medicine and they <laughs> So, you know, I started getting to know the really simple, gentle, nutritive herbs that grew all around and um, those subtle medicines nursed me back to health. And then from then on, like I knew um, I wanted to study herbal medicine and I, I couldn't afford naturopathic medicine school. <laughs> and so I was like, huh, what, what? <laughs> that was it was I think 10 grand at the time. I, I was interested in going a year and out of state tuition and all that stuff. So I thought, huh, what can I do in between? And um, and wrote a few schools at the time. Um, I think at that point there were really just a few schools that were open. Um, California School of Verbal Studies, um, who I'm still affiliated with now, um, and I'm a guest teacher there, and I love that school, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, gone through many generations of owners <clears throat> and teachers, and I think it's incredible that it's still around, and um, and then I there was, I think, Susan Weed's school, and maybe Deb Soul was teaching and um, and Michael Moore, I, I found out in a roundabout way um, because I was a hippie then. <laughs> <laughs> Always a hippie. I'm just like a hard work and hippie now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was a hard work and hippie then, but you know, yeah. um, uh, anyways. I like a few more things now, so <laughs> can't uh, can't survive off uh, tofu. Right. Um, so, anyways, uh, so I was at a rainbow gathering. Damn hippies! <laughs> Freaking hippies! So yeah. I gotta try not to swear. Excuse me. Um, I think we can do it. It's my show. We can. I'll try, <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to. I, Anyways, um, and I was keying out a passion flower and I ran into Seven Song. He's like, what are you looking at? 
and uh, we met and walked around, looked at herbs. Um, and I started talking to him about different schools. I'm like, I, there's hardly anything available. And he told me about uh, Michael Moore school. And he's like, I'm going there next year. You should check it out. And I did. And uh, it was great. I, I, um, I really liked his style of teaching. Um, I, I actually didn't know what his style of teaching was like until I got there, but um, I loved his books. Um, and anyways, I ended up studying with him to start with, and I didn't really know how my herbal path would unfold, um, but it did, and the plants grabbed me and pulled me in and haven't let go since, and I love them. <laughs> I love this story. I, I We were talking before the show on like how great it is to connect with other herbalists and like just hearing your story come out. Oh. kind of naturally is is really beautiful and that it starts with your grandmother and then of course it ends with Michael Moore and like all my favorite herbalists that I learned from <clears throat> I've all studied with Michael Moore he was gone before I really started getting into studying but I still have I lit his teachings live on so Thank far yeah. um and I, I've also gotten to study with Seven Song and um yeah, absolutely great. It's just, it's so fun to hear how people got into it. Yeah. And you're so lucky that it started with your family and your grandmother. Um, I didn't have that. I am the black sheep of my family. Uh, my, my family to this day will be like, oh my gosh, your product worked. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. I wanted to take a quick pause to show some love and gratitude to our sponsors of the Herbalist Path podcast, who make this show possible for me and possible for you too. So here it goes. I love this time of year. It's spring, the sun is shining, and all of our beautiful plant friends are popping up. It's amazing. Unless, of course, you're one of the millions of people who suffer from seasonal allergies. You know, the itchy, watery eyes, the sneezing and wheezing that's straight miserable. Thankfully, there are some amazing herbs that can help you with all of that. Just like the herbs inside of Kick-Ass Allergy from Wish Garden Herbs, one of my absolute favorite herbal companies out there. Kick-Ass Allergy, yes, I said ask without the K at the end. Anyways, this formula has yerba santa, nettles, echinacea for that immune support, and orange peels, all which come together to help dry up those excessive mucosal secretions. Yep, I'm talking about the sniffles and the stuffy nose, the watery eyes, and all that jazz. This blend also acts as a great expectorant and can help ease the swelling and inflammation in those mucosal tissues. It is a top go-to for seasonal allergies. And get this, they combine all those beautiful herbs with glycerin, so it actually tastes pretty darn good. Or should I say it tastes kick-ass without the K at the end. <laughs> Anyways, if allergy season is miserable for you and you want a natural remedy that actually works for those itchy eyes and being all sneezy and wheezy, you have got to check out Wish Garden Herbs Kick Ask Allergy. And for those of you with the little kiddos, no sweat, they've got a kick it allergy too. 
And you pregnant mamas? You don't have to suffer either. They've got a kick-ass allergy formula just for you. So head over to wishgardenherbs.com or check out the link in the show notes and go grab yourself some kick-ass allergy so you can enjoy spring again. I've been doing this for a really long time. (laughs) um, Yeah, it's it's really funny. I mean, they're they're more and more believers every day, you know. But they still are like, yeah, whatever, Mal. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, I hear you. My, I was definitely the the black sheep of my family, and in in Michigan at the time, they're like, what is she talking about? You know, she she wants to go study herbs or naturopathic medicine. What? Yeah. What the heck is that? Acupuncture. So I, I did kind of have to leave the state to really get an education because I didn't know of any herbalists at the time. I knew one homeopath, there was a midwife, um, and that's about it, you know. And yeah. my gra- grandmother wasn't, you know, classified as an herbalist. She just used them in everyday life, like most traditional people do, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's where were you in Michigan? East Lansing. I was born okay. and raised there and uh, kind of um, we had a small cottage up in Cadillac area. And anyways, I grew up there, spent the first couple decades of my life there. Nice. Yeah. I um, I spent a few summers living with my father when my parents divorced um, up on the shores of Lake Huron in between Alpena and Oscoda beautiful yeah it was really really beautiful and I was coming there from a girl living in Nebraska and I was like wow this water is amazing <laughs> you know it's I was amazing really blown away by it yeah um, yeah and then I love that you were interested in naturopathic school too because I later lived in my later teenage years lived in Atlanta Georgia I hated it by the way um <laughs> and uh I remember getting the catalogs from NCNM back then yeah. and there were big thick paper catalogs and I'm like I want to do this, you know, <laughs> and um, I eventually ended up out west in Oregon. And um, while I still have never paid for the naturopathic schooling, I have definitely done a lot of studying in the walls yep. of that building. Yep. Um, so that feels really, really cool. And you know, yeah. we need us herbalists that can't necessarily afford med- medical school. It's true, and you know, honestly, I think it makes us more accessible in some ways. Um, yeah. Because when you pay for medical school, you also have to charge and there's insurance, you know, there's so much more, um, so many more costs and legalities that um, I think being an herbalist makes it a little more accessible to a lot of people. I mean, you can't really, I mean, I don't know about where you live, but here you can't really see a naturopath for less than 500 bucks to get started with, plus usually 500 to a grand worth of um, blood work plus follow-ups plus the meds um and and it's great i'm grateful for some um really excellent naturopaths locally um nothing against it but i just realized there's like you know a lot of them don't accept insurance and it gets really expensive you know Mm -hmm. i have a few friends who are naturopaths um, that practice under their acupuncture license so they don't have to charge as much nice and it's, I think it makes it a lot more accessible. You know, it's it's far more reasonable for most people to pay, you know, 100 to $200 for a consult than 
500 to a thousand, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I have quite a few naturopathic naturopath friends as well. And I'm, I'm watching them develop some really interesting models to be able to make their, their skills and their knowledge more eligible to people. So, so it doesn't necessarily mean that natural medicine has to be only for the elite. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's the great thing about herbalism is, you know, you can go in your backyard pick some herbs as long as they're not sprayed or, you know, wander in the few wild places we have left and uh, yeah. get some really accessible medicine for a fairly affordable or relatively free price. I mean, not completely free, but you know. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's one piece that I'm discovering as an herbalist. Like, I think we get into it and we're like, give it for free. The medicine is yeah. free for the people. And well, yes, it is. But we also have to be able to support and sustain our lives and we've paid for our education and we've paid for our years of knowledge, whether that education comes from like hours in the field studying that way or paying for another teacher or a mentor. So, um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be a thousand dollars or 500 for Yeah, I mean, there's still value to it though. And it is important, you know, that it's sustainable financially for us so we can do our work, you know, and make ourselves accessible and you know either do sliding scales or you know find a way we you know i still have bills to pay taxes mortgage all that kind of stuff just like everybody else and so you know as much as i'd love to give everything away and i just in my heart want to do that it's it's um not realistic and i've seen some really great herbalists burn out you know just offering themselves (laughs) free oh yeah (laughs) no i i me too it's it's scary and it's like you know you can only you know, you have to have your foundation and your base and your self-care built into practicing and Mm -hmm. and teaching and, you know, be a role model for our students and stuff. Um, Because I want them to sustain the work too, you know, and this is valuable work and, you know, you can give it to some people, but you can't give it to everybody all the time or you're going to have nothing left, you know? Yeah. It's really important to set those boundaries, you know, and I think it's easy for us to feel guilty. Like just for example, I had a, a, innocent enough woman the other day she's like oh are you an herbalist I'm like well I am and we're on Facebook you know and she's like oh well can I can I message you I'm like sure gives me this long history of what's going on like and what should I do and can you make it for me and I'm like one no I I don't do a consult via Facebook messenger (laughs) (laughs) and two no at this moment in time I am not doing custom formulations but I can refer you to somebody that might be better in that realm right there and that you know at one point in my herbal life I would be like oh yes I'll drop everything to make this happen for you because I'm so eager to help Um, and that's a quick way to not be able to help anyone exactly <laughs> so you figure that out pretty quick you're like yes. I, could, I couldn't i might not be sleeping eating taking care of my family taking care of myself if i were to do everything for everybody all the time so yeah. um you know at a certain point you are serving everybody's highest needs by referring or you know yeah. having good boundaries or you know just taking care of yourself and your your family. And from there, you can have healthier relationships and healthier energy with your work and and people you work with and help them really help them because you're centered and taking care of yourself. 
Yeah, I think those are some really important words of wisdom. And I, I love, I want to backtrack a little bit when you were talking about your journey down your herbalist path, you were saying when you started, you didn't know what you wanted to become as an herbalist. And I think that kind of is the case for most of us. We're like, Ooh, plants are cool. Let's study them. And then the plants, they like grab you and they're like, well, we're going to take you over here and we're going to take you over there and we're going to take you over here. And yeah, I think that's really fun. How share with us, like how it evolved for you. (laughs) Um, so, so I went to Michael's school, like I mentioned, um, and that's when it was in Albuquerque. And I attended school with a good, with a friend of mine who lived in Montana. Anyways, I ended up living there for a short while. Was it Greta? Oh, no. Actually, she lives here and she's a good friend of mine. She actually took um, Michael's program the year before. Okay. And so I met her down in Albuquerque and we both had, you know, again, hippie chicks. Yep. (laughs) Had our cool buses and (laughs) short bus. Yeah, short bus. I love it. I love it. Um, Anyways, uh, so I met her. Anyways, I met her later, but no, it was a friend named Bronwyn, and uh, she had a, uh, she was working for a small culinary herb farm out in the middle of nowhere, Orleans, California. It's like two hours inland from the coast. I don't know what the population is there. There's still some really wonderful people out there, but it was like where a lot of old school homesteaders went and. so she said, oh, come to California, you know, from Montana, because we were having a hard time finding a home there because there were so many, there were thousands of students who didn't have ho- ho- housing at the time. So I'm like, okay, sure, we'll, we'll check this out. We'll go to Northern California and work on a, a culinary herb farm for $5 an hour. And I was like, wow, after being in the restaurant business, this is like really hard to earn a living. <laughs> <laughs> I stuck uh, in the restaurant industry for 20 plus years so that I could yeah. keep many, doing what I love and still make some money. <laughs> yeah, paying the bills, paying yeah. the bills. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a that was a little different. And we were there for a short while and um in Orleans. And then I heard there was an herb shop here, and it was actually the first herb shop I've ever been to and or heard of. And it was uh, Moonrise Herbs. Mm. And um it was operating in Arcata, and so I applied there, um, you know, with a year out of herb school. I'm like, hi, I want to, you know, start working in the herb field, <laughs> and I'm an herbalist, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you've you've had more studies than most people who've worked here, so jump in, and, you know, uh, we'll hire you, and so I started in retail, and then I also had a small office that I just practiced in three days a week and then worked there three days, sometimes four days. And then whenever I had time off, um, I made medicines, garden. I was, you know, pretty high energy, which is lovely. So, um, and I loved everything herbal. So when I got home from either my private practice or um, working at the herb shop, I'd study herbs. (laughs) I yep. read herb books, you know, I <laughs> try to hike and gather small stuff or just grow stuff. I had a, a pretty small garden in the place I was living. Um, but still, it was herbs seven days a week for me for a couple decades. I just, you know, eat my days off or like, whoo, what can I cook with herbs? And oh, can I get, make it to the garden for a little while? <laughs> yeah. So so, um, so it kind of started naturally with just working in the herb shop. And I realized when I was there that it's... Um, you know, you're doing more surface med- medicine. Um, it's harder to get 
really in depth with someone when you don't have an hour and hour and a half to meet with them. Um, and eventually it worked out well because the shop moved and then they built offices up above mm -hmm. their um, store so I could have clients come in and just say, you know, if you, I was their primary staff herbalist for a while and just say, you know, if you, if it's beyond the scope of what I can do in the store in 10 to 15 minutes, which is really what we were kind of allotted to do, right. um, uh, then come see me in my practice. So. Um, so it worked out really well and they built a classroom and anyways, so I just started practicing and working with herbs. And then I met, um, a few other women here who, one was a pharmacist, one was, a well, one was a pharmacist, one became a nurse and we started kind of co-teaching together, um, and just doing some basic medicine making classes and then kind of worked our way into other classes, um, and um, at the time, and I really enjoyed teaching, but I was very shy and kind of timid about teaching. And my friends were a little more confident, but they kind of did their own thing. And it was like, okay, I got to figure this out. And, you know, people want classes. And I started building on these programs and um, eventually doing a bunch of night classes and then building the curriculum. And then I would send my students to Michael Moore or Adam Seller. And Michael was finally like, you know, just, he's like, I don't, I have three times the applicants that I can accept. So start your own school. Nice. I was like, okay. So I, you know, I didn't go into it with big plans of like having a practice and starting a school, but um, it just kind of evolved. And, you know, I was hustling, trying to work three jobs to make money like many herbalists do and, you know, teach some, <laughs> practice some, work in an herb shop. And, you know, I feel blessed. I work my ass off and I still do. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the herbs generate energy for me and I'm eternally inspired by them. So it kind of evolved to teaching more. I practiced multiple days a week and then taught the other days. And I ran a tincture business for 20 some odd years. I think I'm a little cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Hearing your story is just making me fall in love with you too. So oh, it's, you. it's really great because, you know, it is, I, I find the more of these interviews I do, we all kind of have very different stories, yet very similar stories on how we like you know, interweave in so many different ways to become the herbalist that we are. And we all get this incredible fascination. And like, once you're hooked, yeah, you're, you're there. There's, yeah. there's, there's no denying it. Those plants are loud and clear when they call you, they're like, Hey, you, you, you got some good work to do. You need to help us and yeah. help us help others. So exactly. We're those vessels for our plants. And yeah, it's uh, amazing. Special. And I was thinking about that when you had asked at one point, just uh, what makes an herbalist, you know, or yep. what do you think makes an herbalist? And it's like when the plants grab you and you know, you want to take care of them and make it better for them and the animals, the insects that survive, you start connecting in and you're like, oh, you see that bigger picture and, and your duty as a plant person to make sure you're tending to those plants and cultivating them and creating an environment for our insects, our birds, frogs, you know, the bees, it's all an integral part. Like we are part of that web and we're all connected by that web. And it's, it's, you know, you can be an herbalist practicing at your home or with your family, which is what most herbalists used to do. You know, you have your either village wise woman or your grandma or somebody in the village who's like, that plant person who's mm -hmm. doing the basic stuff and it, you don't have to be a practicing herbalist. You don't have to be a 
fancy teacher or, you know, a glam herbalist, the best herbalists out there are like kind of quiet, just doing the work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. That's awesome. I yeah. love it. I love it. So I um, have seen some pictures of your amazing garden and I want to hear more about your amazing garden. It looks so beautiful. And uh, from my understanding, you have apprentices that get to help you in your garden and learn while they're helping you. I'd love to hear more about that and how maybe some of our listeners might be able to get their hands dirty in your garden and learn about plants. So yes, I have a really sweet garden that was part of my pretty. Thank you. (laughs) I feel blessed. I feel really fortunate. And it was something I've always wanted. When I started teaching, I just, you know, you do your five and your 10 year goals. And um, I knew a few things early on, I knew I wanted to write a book, but I didn't have enough experience yet. Um, And I knew I wanted to have a garden for uh, my classes. Because as I mentioned, I studied with Michael Moore, and it was always herbs were resurging and on the edge of becoming more popular now it's really exploded there's so many herb schools there's tons of herb stores this so um kind of coming into it you know michael was a wonderful medicine making teacher like he really got you engaged in making medicines and having your own pharmacy and um being able to i don't know it just was like medicine of the people um and uh but i also saw like no regulations or no um like setting boundary with students as to like this you haven't even you don't even have a practice like you really shouldn't be getting a quart of medicine or two quarts or gallons of medicines and you see people's like you know greed come out and that's kind of disgusting like it's just like oh what's this about um and you know I've, I've watched people harvest a lot and I watched you know one class pick a whole field of flowers and there were none left and I didn't pick any and I was like right something's you know this is before united plant savers but you know i i was tuning into the fact that people go and they harvest truckloads or you know it just scared me honestly um so uh, i really wanted to start a garden to have students be able to harvest from the garden and to teach them how to cultivate stuff um grow their own medicines you know even the basics it's herbs are like weeds you know they they grow pretty well give them a little water a little compost spend some time with them or not you know they grow without you there so um but they grow more healthy when you're there yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's a mutual beneficial relationship so um so i started developing my garden um you know i rented for many years and would like They'd like, you got to move in a year. And I'd like schlep U-Hauls of plants, <laughs> like five U-Hauls everywhere I went of plants and start new gardens because I feel like it's just important for yeah. many reasons to have a garden. And then um, uh, we finally, my, um, my husband and I rented a place on a, it's just six cents of an acre. And then um, we got the opportunity to buy it or boot. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so, um, so I was, I really wanted to stay here and, um, I was really excited because I finally had the chance to live out that dream. And I started with, you know, nine little garden beds, built a small classroom, which is kind of what you see here, um, mm-hmm. or a little bit of what you're seeing here. And then, um, and then from there kind of added on to the beds and started creating beds according to Oregon systems. So I could use that as a teaching tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 
I stopped doing field trips because I felt like just the wild places couldn't really sustain it. And even though in my contracts, I say, please don't bring students back here or come back and harvest, find your own places. People did it anyways. And it's like, oh, okay. It's not sustainable in that way. So right. to create an environment where people could learn to cultivate plants. And um, there's so much other information to teach. It was actually hard to get in the garden very often. I know. <laughs> you know? Yes. I'm like, oh, okay, at the end of the day, we're going to go look at the plants we've talked about. We, we would, but... Um, but, you know, throughout summers, I do like a, an apprenticeship, which was, uh, you know, not some of them were paid apprenticeship classes where I'd like, but this last one was so fun because I'm like, okay, we have all been inside with our families going cuckoo for a couple, what, year and a half now. Oh, yeah. Do you all want to meet up and we'll distance, you know, distance gardening, we're outside. Um, and so this year was especially sweet because we were all so ready to be with each other and it was a lot of former students and some that some newer students anyways um some herbalists who work in shops and like we got together and just would garden for four hours and talk and it was just dreamy it was so sweet you know i'm like i wish i could be an herbalist for free and how can i do this in classes so i am gonna i'm finding a way to integrate that just like whether it's a week next summer in june before the fire start or you know one one day a week or every other week because it's just so sweet to connect and you know yeah. i have too many plants like i don't even harvest a lot of the stuff i've got because i don't know you don't need it <laughs> i'm like self-seed right <laughs> give it away do your job yeah you're yeah. here for pollinators right. um so anyway so that's kind of how i started and i i normally teach like a three day a week program you know um for a, a clinical herbalist training program and it's a two-part you know two-semester program and we go through all the organ systems and detailed materium medica and identification and you know medicine making and all that stuff so that they can get more familiar with um practicing and feeling confident bringing herbs to the people and yeah you know all of that so that's mostly what I've done. So the garden part was just like the extra added benefit. Oh. Like, how can I get more of this? Because people love having their hands in the dirt. Oh, yeah, they so do. It's and every time I'd see your pictures, I'm like, I want to be there. <laughs> it's, so, it's so sweet. Like, I wish I could set it up as a um, like a sanctuary, you know, yeah. because it's it's a sweet spot. I mean, it's like a sanctuary for animals and birds and bees and you yeah. know, it's those, I mean, it feels so special and honored to be able to witness it every day. Honestly, it's like, I wake up, I'm like, thank you. Thank yeah, you. That yeah. gratitude is such a good piece of it too. Cause then they just give you back better medicine and yeah. more powerful energy to share with everybody that comes into your garden too. Yeah. yeah. That's so amazing. I love that. I currently rent and I'm in a very rainforesty area. So it's very hard to have a garden, but we we took out a bunch of like gnarly junipers out of the, the front yard, the only little patch of area yeah. that has sun and it's like 10 feet by 10 feet. And that's all I got. <laughs> you know? and I'm like, well, I'm going to grow what I can there. And of course, you know, I've got a forest full of medicine all around me. But again, it comes to that, like, well, I don't need to gather that. Mm -hmm. Or I gather how much I need and I do it in a way that I know that plant is coming back for those future generations. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's 
you touched briefly on that and it's such an issue right now as herbalism and wild crafting and foraging all become a little bit more or a lot more mainstream yeah um i had this chat with jim mcdonald last time around like how do we get that message out about the importance of actually taking care of these plants as well and not being greedy jerks going out like one of my least favorite things or things that chat my hide the most is the big old picture on Facebook of this basket full of herbs. And they're like, I got X plant and now what do I do with it? And it's not the plant. <laughs> they, they didn't know what they were going out to get. They've got tons of this plant, whatever it is. And they don't even know why they're gathering it. Like respect people. Like how do, how do we get this word out further? And like I kind of have this desire to share with more people about sustainable, ethical wild harvesting. And then I hear stories like yours, like, hey, no matter what I did to try and prevent people from being greedy, abusive bastards, I'll say it, um, <laughs> like they still went out and did it despite my contracts and, you know, and it goes back and forth. Like, do we stop teaching that or do we try somehow to collectively teach it louder than all the damn hashtags out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Well, persistence, I think, um, you know, respect is something we have to reinforce as herbalists and teachers. Um, you know, just looking at ourselves as like, you know, white colonists. Hello you know, that we're no different than people who came and robbed the land if that's what we're doing. And that's fucked up. Like we should not be, we are not entitled to this medicine. And one of the things as white people is we think we are, you know, I'm sorry, not everybody is white. And this is not how the world rolls most of the time, but it is how we think it rolls and it's not okay. So as teachers, we have to call our students on that. I mean, like I said, when I first started studying, there was no body regulating what we took. There were no GMPs. It was, my teacher didn't tell us. He wasn't, you know, so I was like, how can, how do you even know? You don't know how much you're going to use as an herbalist. So when I started doing some field trips with my students, I was like, okay, we are going to do a group harvest and we're going to get, you know, we're going to go work on this red root. And I would get things that, you know, cover the mountainside, but still right. I'm there getting those things, you know, and it's, still entitled because it's not my property and you know right. what is our what is our property so anyways um i just tried to talk to them and say you know you only need half a pint of this medicine what do you need on this field trip you each bring you know half pint jars and pint jars you don't need to bring quart jars you don't need to bring double gallon jars please you are not going to use that just you know you need this much to get by in a year most likely and after a year once you figure out how much medicine you need you're using this much avena you're using this much skullcap then you can either make more or you find a good source for it. You know, Pacific Botanicals was growing a lot of good quality fresh herbs at the time. So I think right. that that was helpful. And um, 
And then eventually I just stopped doing field trips. I'm like, I am not doing this. I'm creating these gardens so that people understand that responsibility of caretaking a plant. Um, and I talked to him about, you know, when you're doing this field work, when you, you go out and you, you take notes every year and you pay attention to what's going on with the rain, the fire, you know, we have that responsibility to the plants to sustain them. And it's not just about us taking from them, you know, just yeah. because they aren't loud and aren't screaming at us doesn't mean we can just go in and do whatever that's yeah. not okay and so i think it's part of being teachers and yeah maybe teaching a little louder or just being consistent driving home that message not being an asshole about it but just being like hey this is this is reality and there's not going to be enough for future generations if we keep doing this if you don't right. grow your medicine and even if you've got 10 by 10 patch you can grow a lot in that area grow up grow vertically you know right. grow put some stuff in pots on your windowsill um, put some stuff in pots on your porch you can cultivate these medicines or support other people who are cultivating them but you know we're gonna we're losing wild places yeah. you know absolutely it's it's so. definitely definitely a thing and i'm i'm glad we're touching on this in in this show again because it is that repetitiveness you know it's something i talk yeah. about a lot um the whole reason i got into herbalism is because i felt this desire to save the planet <laughs> so um you know I, I i posted the other day the the fires were raging and i'm like well all i know is to teach people to use plants as medicine and to make great herbal medicine for people so that they don't have to rely solely on harsh pharmaceuticals that will pollute our planet further. Um, yep. And you know, that's, that's what I know. And it's still not enough to reverse a lot of the damage that we've done. But so, you know, that's a, a whole nother soapbox issue I can go off on for a long time. I hear um, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, when I get all panicky about it and the fires or, you know, if I'm starting to feel like the anxiety rise around mm -hmm. it, I just think, well, the earth is going to go on without us sure is fuck it up you know we're setting ourselves up for disaster hopefully that's not the case hopefully we get the message really soon mm -hmm. like a long like, time ago like yesterday <laughs> yeah yeah a couple decades ago yeah. and we're not getting it so i'm like okay if i were to sit there and you know panic more about it how's that going to serve the world it's, it's not, not but the bottom line is when i sink right down deeply i'm like the earth is going to be fine mm-hmm you know, it's going to regenerate. It's going to grow moss over us. Like we might screw ourselves over and all the animals, but there will be bugs. There will be, they, they are going to take over, you know, the, the, the algae will grow over all our stuff and yeah. moss and fungi. So hopefully we can figure it out. So and, true. You know, I would love that. It would be great if we can like continue sustainably. That's the goal. And I do think plants, they like people. Well, there's a mutually beneficial relationship. And I really hope that we can teach that and that our students get that and pass that on to their kids. And I do think there's hope because I see these sweet little kids come over and I'm like, oh my God, you have such a wonderful mom. You know, I had a four-year-old in the garden the other day and he was like, he's he's like oh the rosemary and he's out walking on the rosemary branch picking little one little thing will you put this in my truck and i'm like oh my god you're the cutest yeah like, rosemary on this and i'm like okay this this gives me faith and hope this oh, one oh. <laughs> she just walked in as we were beginning oh. this talk about our future generations and she mm. 
is also a very plant loving little girl. Like I remember her being three at the playground with some friends and a friend got an ouchie and she's like, oh, walks over to some totally ran over plantain but she knew what plant to grab and give to her friend and it's macerated yeah already (laughs) yeah right i know and then her shirt is perfect for the topic right now it says make make art make change make art make change i love it and you're you're gonna be young people like you wise young people like you are gonna carry the planet and uh make it a better place so i'm yeah i'm grateful to have incredible young people around it's, I have my earphones in, so she can't hear what you said, but I'm going to share it with her later. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but Anira, I am doing a podcast interview with Miss Krista right now, who wrote the book that you and daddy got me for Mother's Day. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, love bug. That's perfect. Um what timing that was <laughs> like I was watching them walk in and we're talking about the future generation and I'm like this oh. is this is why like the earth's gonna live on but I want her to live on too, Me too. Me yeah too. I, know, I know I know yeah. I mean don't that's don't my hope yeah yeah sure. we want to just leave this place beautiful for our, yeah. our grandbabies and their grandkids and I'm praying we do that because yeah. you know I know the earth can go on without us and but it will <laughs> and it will, and it will, but uh, wouldn't it be lovely if we could figure it out and yeah. get the message and start doing everything we can to yeah to make sure that happens. For sure. And I think that collectively, like, you know, I think people like you and I are really blessed to be in an area and mm-hmm. surrounded with people that have yeah. that mindset. Yeah. But we need to get up here and make those changes, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's that's, tough. How do we shout louder? How do we shout louder? All right, everybody, it is time for a little commercial break from our sponsors. Oh, wait, that's me. I'm totally the sponsor of my own podcast. So if you want to get your hands on some great herbal products that you can feel really good about putting in and on your body, head on over to mountainmels.com. We've got great functional herbal teas and herbal first aid goods for those that love to get out and play. And when you use the code THP15, you can get 15% off your order. And now back to the podcast. you do your apprenticeship you've got this amazing school and tell me more about northwest school for botanical studies because i have looked at it forever because it's like ooh, northwest and herb school and you know you're down in northern california and i'm in oregon we're not far away but it wasn't uh, in the cards for me to get down there yeah but i yes. bet other people can <laughs> yes i mean that would be lovely and i so i teach in the arcada eureka area and have a classroom um, on our small little property here. Um, like I said, it's just like six, six tenths of an acre and I have a really sweet spot here and I have room basically for 17 students. That's all I have room for. And uh, we fill it. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I haven't been teaching this program since COVID, the three day a week program. I've just been doing shorter programs, which I'm shifting into because of the fact that we don't really know what's going on with 
COVID and I don't know when we're really going to be able to open up most pandemics take two to three years, you know, um, so it's making me rethink everything and in the past uh, with my program, I basically offered a two part program. The first part we went through the primary organ systems come and how to address common health conditions for each system. Um, with your friends and family and just basically helping our you know folks to be a community herbalist to understand their bodies better and you know when things are out of balance what that looks like you know if your gi functions you know not functioning properly or so we went through the primary organ systems uh, a lot of materia medica i love like detailed materia medica as hey. you know from the book yeah um, and and i just you know, I love getting to know like one plan at a time really well and um, and then from there kind of building formulas eventually, you know, like the if you know a few plants well and then you can start playing with them and, and harmonizing formulas and compounding. But anyways, that first program is really about learning the plants well, learning to make, make your medicines, create your basic pharmacy, um, treat your friends and family understand your organ systems and what they're doing and how they look out of balance and then address the most common health concerns and then um, the second program is more focused on uh, creating a clinical practice um, going through the endocrine system so we spend you know weeks covering you know blood sugar disorders and um, uh, thyroid hypo and hyperthyroid and looking at adrenal function and just um, talking about different aspects of um, you know, like the Chinese aspect of medicine or um, long-term tonics, mushrooms, stuff like that to maintain your vitality. And then going into the clinical po component of like, so every week they have assignments like, okay, how much is it going to cost? What are, what are your life expenses, right? right? Like, you know, what are your expenses? So they do budgets for that. And then what are your expenses for your pharmacy? Mm -hmm. How so big of a pharmacy important. are you going to create? Because it's addictive. Like mm. you start making medicines, it's like, <laughs> oh, I've got this growing. And next thing you know, you've got all these medicines. You're like, okay, how how, how many quarts of motherwort can I <laughs> distribute? A lot, right. but, you know. <laughs> um, right. But thinking about what you're doing before you do it, and thinking about those costs, and then um, and then figuring out what it costs to run a practice if that's what you want to do, so people can figure out, I mean, there's a part of it where you're experimenting and you're like, am I going to make medicines? Am I going to make products? Am I going to be a practitioner? Do I want to be a teacher? <laughs> um, you know, and, and all those things. So I'm like, it's good to explore those before you invest all this money and get yourself into debt. Um, you know, cause I yes. did yeah, absolutely. Me too. And I love that you're teaching these parts in your program. It's so important. I think that's one thing that lacks in a lot of herbal programs. Like people too. are like, cool, I want to go learn to be an herbalist. And they take all these courses and that's great because we do yeah. need herbalists in every home again, yeah. but like, if you really want to learn to practice, you got to learn the business. And I learned that stuff the hard way, the really freaking hard way. You know? I, know. <laughs> I mean, I'm still learning it. <laughs> so, Me too. Yeah. Honestly, really, I am. And it's, uh, it is important and it's super stressful to be deeply in debt. It sucks. It's a yep. whole other, you know, it's, it's why I worked seven days a week for multiple decades and why I, it, it's stressful, you know, like. 
I've oh, seen I why many of my <laughs> brilliant friends who are herbalists became nurses, doctors, practitioners, because that boundary is set and you are like, you show up at those hours and you make good money and then you can garden on the weekend. Right. So I totally see why they've done that. And I see why people have part-time jobs and their herbal jobs. I mean, we all got to pay the rent. We all got to pay our bills and food. Yeah. Um, so I do think it's important. And because I've been on the other end of things of being like super in debt and like oh i'm gonna start an herb shop like what was i freaking thinking <laughs> oh my gosh we got so many similar stories i'm yeah, sitting definitely. in my space that was an herb shop it was an apothecary tea and smoothie shop and i still think like i'll probably reopen it again in the next year <laughs> yeah. why because you know I'm, I'm the only one around in my community that'll do it for my community uh, it, uh, yeah probably yeah. Yeah. so you know you have to continue to listen like what is our purpose and i i always felt like you know what my purpose kind of evolved and i was figuring that out as i was going along it's like oh okay no that's not working and you know you do have to pay the bills so yeah. there were certain things where it's like okay that is just not cutting it and i'm going into further debt to do that which is not good so yeah. i try to share that with my students because i'm like hey i'm am i I'm, i do not have any inheritance i do, my family does not have wealth it is not it's, you know, I don't come from that place. And I see a lot of like people who are like, they do have family money and they give a lot of free medicine and that's awesome. But I'm like, that's not sustainable if you don't have that, you yeah. know what I mean? And so that's why I want to teach them like to base what they charge off of their expenses. You know, this is what it costs to run your practice, your pharmacy, you have to charge for your medicines, unless you want to give some away for free, that's fine, but do it from a place of knowing you've got your bases covered because you're not going to sustain your work and we need herbalists to sustain our work we need herbalists they to get keep burnt doing. out and they can't correct. do the work anymore correct and that is where i'm coming from with teaching folks that <laughs> yeah. it happens to every uh, so many brilliant herbalists i know and it's sad because they stop practicing or they they just drop drop out you know yeah. and it's like not only do I want to pay my bills, I'd actually like to save for retirement at some point because that's yeah. going to be coming in a while, you know, like, and I'm yeah. not, and that, that's not okay with me. <laughs> it's yeah. scary to me, you know? Right. Um, so, so I think that's an important part of clinical work. And I, um, and the clinical classes evolved over the years because of GMPs. Like, I, you know, we were, I was big on like, Hey, teaching folks how to create pharmacies, you know, and have their own medicines. And I love that it's very empowering to do that and to be able to compound medicines for your clients you know it's, it's so fun that's it's, my creative outlet that i miss about having a shop open it's like yeah. i get to get creative with making things and then hear people come back and be like oh my gosh yeah this worked well yeah <laughs> it did. And or it's even i've even surprised myself sometimes like my formulas for my mountain mouse product line i formulated like 12 years ago or so and sometimes i forget about them and yeah. and um i'll go back and try them or i'll listen to somebody's review and i'm like making it again and i'm like oh <laughs> no wonder why they're saying these things to me about the product that's what i put in it it's just so funny like to continuously be amazed by these plants even though i know very well what they do and how yeah. they do it I know it's 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 great. It's like that reminder and that spark that gets you excited about them again and and uh, just knowing like, oh, yeah, that was a great formula or blend or that totally. works really well for that. Um, 
So yeah, I love I love that aspect of medicine and um, where were they going with that? Just uh, oh, when I started out, I was you know teaching students how to have their own pharmacies and the cost for that, and and then GMPs came along, and and you know before that, a lot of my students were making products for um, their friends, family, and then going to markets and stuff, and it was great. A lot of them had their product line locally, so I'm always like, think originally, what can you offer that other people don't offer? yet you know and try to market that well if you can if that's you know the marketing's the hard part <laughs> yeah. isn't it though <laughs> yeah so i'm still working on that part but um but generally speaking as that shifted i realized okay now it's focusing more on the clinical work because of gmps making it a little more difficult to make it as a small business right. um as you well know um, it's, it's <laughs> Very of, well versed in GMPs. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of I, I had run a tincture business for twenty, a little over twenty years, and you know it was up and down the coast, and um, it was great quality medicines. You right. know, people still ask for my formulas, and it's been closed for seven, eight years, and it's yeah. like, oh, your humble hack away was incredible. I wish you'd still make that. I'm like, oh, thanks, sorry. Um, yeah not gonna happen yeah sorry <laughs> done with that part of my life <laughs> yeah i'm tired of filling one ounce bottles mm. um but it's shifted into like training practitioners where it's like okay we need people out there doing this you know there are tons of herbalists in this community but they're all half of them are stoners and grown dope on the hills yep half so, you're in northern california it's way more than half <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know True. who you're trying to fool but <laughs> well that business has declined too apparently because of you know legalization so like you know the people i could have as students who could afford three days off of work has now also declined so i'm like hey i'm gonna teach the world online because yeah. you know have access to a broader clinical work um and i do I, sadly i see so many people like who've studied a lot you know they've spent years studying and they're really scared to practice and so when well, i it's scary it's a big liability and responsibility it is it is but i'm like do they call it a practice for a reason, you know, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere and build your confidence and whether it's just with your family and making these soups with medicinal herbs and seeing them work and then starting to do things for a few friends like and seeing them work and then or not work and finding a different, you know, something else that works better yeah, for that yeah. person so i just want people to like you know not just sit on your education like it's almost a responsibility in my opinion to do something about it yeah so that's a little bit about the school and now yeah. it's just shifting you know like i'm shifting into like how can we spend more time outside with the plants um do a little more online classes but i don't yeah. think being in school online for six hours is is just womp, challenging womp. yeah, yeah it, it, is. it is so i'm like what am i doing with the rest of my life yeah. Speaking of the rest of your life. So the whole reason I even know who you are. Yes, I had heard of the School of Northwest uh, Botanical Studies. Is that it's Northwest a, School for Botanical Studies? Yes, yeah. thank you. I'm like, <laughs> wait, I'm missing a, a word in here. Don't worry. Um, I had definitely heard of that, but I never really made the connection of you until my two very good friends, Dr. Orna Isaacson, ND, and my other good friend, Julie, uh, Julie James of Green Wisdom, did a review of your beautiful, amazing book that is not only an outrageously abundant resource, it's really good to work out with too. <laughs> <laughs> this, 
book <laughs> is loaded with so much information that I can only imagine is from your 30 years of herbal practice and studies. And um, there's medicine making in here. There's a huge Materia Medica that is so detailed. And I'm an herb book addict. And um, gosh, it's it's amazing. And I... I, I love this book so much. It makes me very, very happy. I watched Orna and Julie, who, again, I love them both very much. Orna was one of my first podcast interviews. Aww, sweet. Um, and they did the review and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to have that book. And being the struggling herbalist business owner <laughs> that didn't have such a great teacher to be like, you need to think about this and that in, in the financial world. I could, I was like, oh, I can't afford to get that yet, but I'm going to get that book. Yeah. And um, I think it's a heck of a great value at $180. I think there is thousands of dollars, many thousands of dollars of information in here. And I went to the mailbox, the PO box one day and had to get a special package from behind the counter. And it was this big, heavy book. And I cried. I didn't know where it came from first. And then I realized it was my Mother's Day present from my partner and my daughter. And it made me so happy. (laughs) So thank you so much for all of your work that you put into this book. If anybody were to want one major, major reference book to really help people in their community. And maybe you can't afford an herb school right now. This book. book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The Essential Guide to Western Botanical Medicine by this lady here, Krista Sinadinos. Am I saying that right? Sinadinos. Yeah. I love it. Um, Yeah. Get this book. And you have a website now. It's kristasinadinos.com, right? Yep. Yep. That's for the book. And, and it's, it's up. I I need to do a better job promoting it, but I am grateful for friends like you who put that out there. And um, I did try to create a book for people who can't travel to the area. It's like, got, you know, I know 180 bucks is expensive, but herb school is more like, you know, five, at least five grand, if you're going to get all this information. So I'm like, well, you're getting like, uh, it's almost 800 pages of stuff you would cover over a one year period and have to move somewhere and relocate. And it's, you know, it's worth it if you're practicing clinically, I think there are definitely other great beginning books, but I wanted to create a resource that had as much information on Western herbs and organ systems and a quick yeah. reference for practitioners to get ideas for formulas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm grateful that I'm, you know, Julie James and Dr. Orna did that interview and it's super helpful. And I'm grateful for you promoting the book as well. It really helps. Yeah. And, um, yeah I'm, I'm yes. so relieved it's done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and when I say $180 is a steal of a deal, I mean it. I mean, because that's what people need to realize often. Well, maybe they don't need to, who am I to tell people what they should do? Um, <laughs> But, you know, a lot of people do want to learn herbalism these days and they want to go to the cheapest, most free school or whatnot. But, you know, the results I hear from a lot of those are you get what you pay for. And I'm going to go and say that about this book as well. In regards to books, you know, they range from two dollars to $1,000 
several hundred and the yeah. amount and quality of information in here is absolutely amazing the pictures are beautiful you go into description on idea of the plants and how to make medicine with each plant and how to utilize them and again like the organs and systems and structures i think um mainstream herbalism today they forget to understand the organs and systems and structures and that is so much of why plant medicine works yeah. and it's really imperative that people understand that and you know i just commend you on putting all of the time and effort into this book and you said five thousand dollars for a year of herb school but this is 30 years of herb school thank you this thank is 30 you. years of herb school yeah and one beautiful weight lifting book it's amazing and yeah so if anybody's listening out there and they're like gosh if i could just get one book and i really can't afford to go to school right now or i'm busy being a mom or i'm in my career or i just really want to know how to use plants well and to do it safely and effectively which yeah. you don't always get on dr google no, um you don't you will get it in that book Thank you. Thank no, you. thank you. I'm so honored to have it and to have you on my, my show. Like, I'm like, I could talk to you for decades, can't I? Um, <laughs> um, we haven't even really like talked about herbs in this interview, just about the joy of being on the herbalist path. And yeah, that's amazing. Like way early in your story, you talked about how you got into herbalism because you were dealing with grief when your father had passed yeah. and, um, the only thing that helped you was herbs. Will you share what herb you discovered way long ago when you helped yourself get out of what the doctors couldn't help you out of? Oh, there were, I, I don't want to be too long. There were a few. And like I said, some of the nutritive herbs, like I had red clover growing all around and nettle and oats, wild oats. Um, so trying those as singles was really, um, you know, just helped nourish me. I think just all the minerals in those herbs were amazing. Um, chamomile was just a, sim a single herb that just something that really helped me sleep better and uh, just feel more centered and calm and reduce yeah. my anxiety. Um, and then I, I loved like just simple things like ginger. Ginger, I, I made, I was cold all the time living in Michigan back when I was a skinny little thing. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> My anabolic constitution and Greek genes hadn't kicked in yet. So, um, <laughs> so I was a big fan of ginger. I did all sorts of stuff with ginger and I, that was kind of like one plant I really loved starting with and you can prepare it so many different ways and use it topically. So if I were to pick one, that was a great one to start with, but um, nice. yeah. Man. Yeah, it's so readily accessible too. You know, people can oh, walk into the grocery store and get organic ginger. Yeah, rhizome, not root. Yep. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so I don't, I, I can't pick one, but those were some that I started with, and I just, I recommend everybody starting with a single. You know, taste that herb, try it a bunch of different ways, prepare it as a hot infusion, a cold infusion, a maybe a decoction if that's appropriate, you know, take a bath in it, take a foot bath in it. <laughs> so many fun things to do with them. That's what I love about herbs too, is like, you know, you hear about this one plant and you're like, oh, wow, this is good for X because that's how we're trained to think in our society, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you get into it more 
and you try it in a different way and you try it in a bath and you do a foot bath and you're like, oh my gosh, this herb is good for so many things. It's amazing. (laughs) You know, it's, it's that never ending study and awe and excitement that you get once you dive into the herbal world. It's so fun. It's so fun. I love it. I love it too. And it's just, you know, the more you get to know one plant, it's like becoming more intimate with a friend or something, you know, and there's plants I know more on the surface. There's plants that, you know, I could write about for 10 pages and I do, you know, because I've gotten to know them better than the other ones and I'm still learning about them. So it's so sweet. It's, It's such a beautiful journey because you you never stop learning or yes. getting inspired by plants. So it's so fun to talk about. <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful to be on your show. Thank you Yay. so much, Mel. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. It's so wonderful to finally see you in person. Yeah, this well, has been person, super yeah. fun. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what kind of person she is. Because in your emails, you're very, you're very businessy. I am and, and like here we are chatting we're just a couple of hippie chick herbalists who are really passionate about plants and sharing it with the masses so I love it yeah. um Aww. it's really exciting <laughs> so I, I I'm, I'm so happy we connected because now we can't unconnect exactly <laughs> we no, get that intimate so relationship like plants too exactly I so appreciate you having me on your podcast and yeah. I will share your information as well awesome. I'm so excited to have you. And is there any other thing you want to say before we take off or like how else people can get in touch with you? Is there a way they can reach out social media, websites, like give that again, right in the end. Yeah, sure. Um, So we'll link to this in the show notes. So thank you. So yeah, basically my website is kristasanadinas.com for the book or herbaleducation.net. And um and I will link those and you're welcome to email me through the Christasinadinas at gmail.com. I'm getting more emails through that. I think my other one through my other website got hijacked. So I'm trying to figure that out. So because I'm getting a lot of Russian emails every day instead of my school emails. So anyways, those are ways to connect with me. And then I'm on Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm kind of slacking on Facebook right now, but and Instagram, but I what, have, you can't you know, do it all. I have, I have accounts under my name. Sometimes I'll post pictures. I'm a slacker. I'm hey, an Krista, old school herbalist. <laughs> how do you spell your last name? Oh, thank you. Um, so S-I-N-A-D-I-N-O-S. And my first name is Krista with C-H, C-H-R-I-S-T-A. Yeah. They're both odd spellings and they're both kind of long. So Krista Senedinos. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I can I can relate to the long, odd last name. So Mutter you know, Spa. I'm Melissa Marie Madeline Mutter Spa. People oh, call me it. Mel. Let's <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> keep it simple, people. It's funny, I've been a Mel since like I was about 12. And then as I've become an herbalist, I'm like, should I sound more professional and be Melissa? Oh, <laughs> and it's one of my favorite herbs. Yay. Which means Greek for honeybee. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, but no, I'm Mel to the core. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, I'm, I'll always be Chris to my family, like my sister and stuff. They've always called me Chris and, and, but everybody else calls me Krista. So that's what we're going with. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been super fun. I can't wait to share it with the masses. I can't wait for them to buy your book. And I, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you again and to meet you in person one day and hug you. 
We're going to do that. In your garden. Big squeezes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to that too. So if you're passing through this area, come visit me. It would be great. My garden's a little scary right now, but you know, who cares? It's fun. <laughs> I'm scary sometimes too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it was such a treat to yeah. talk to you. Thank you so much, Mel. I appreciate your time and energy and getting to know you a little bit more too. Yeah. But I, Next time we'll talk more. You can tell me more about you. Oh, I mean, no. <laughs> People hear my voice on this podcast every single episode. <laughs> awesome. It was a delightful interview. Thank you so much. Thank you, Krista. Have a beautiful day. You too. Be well. Bye. Yeah. Bye. This has been The Herbalist's Path. Thanks for joining us. Have we piqued your herb curiosity? Are you thirsty for more? Well, then check out the show notes of today's episode for exciting educational opportunities, workshops, and courses. If you'd like to support our mission, please subscribe, rate, and review to help others find us. Together, we can make herbalism hashtag spread like wildflowers. Wishing you all a lovely day. Bye for now. take a quick pause to show some love and gratitude to our sponsors of the Herbalist Path podcast who make this show possible for me and possible for you too. So here it goes. Medicinal mushrooms are all the rage these days, if you didn't know already. And with great reason, because they are powerful medicine that can improve your health and your life in so many different ways when they're well-made. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of stuff on the market that isn't going to be so effective. And that's why you need to find a brand that you can actually trust. For me, that brand is Whole Sun Wellness. And this is the creation of a brilliant woman and fellow mama, Jamie Bonfiglio. She's an international mushroom educator that has been working in the medicinal mushroom industry for years. And this is when she saw firsthand how many other companies take shortcuts when it comes to their products. And Jamie wasn't having it. She set out to build her company the right way. Whole Sun Wellness is here to raise the industry standards so those crap mushrooms on the market aren't getting into your body or your family's body. Whole Sun Wellness is the first company to test and report nutritional facts for all of their extracts. They go beyond industry standards every step of the way, from sourcing to extraction and final testing. And as the owners of the largest medicinal mushroom farm in the United States, Whole Sun Wellness is taking control of their supply chain for the highest quality and absolute full transparency. They're even the first company to include pure mycelium extract in every single product. So when you're thinking of getting medicinal mushrooms for you and your family, Whole Sun Wellness is exactly the ones you want. Also, be sure to check out their new Mycolites. These are the world's first dissolvable electrolyte tablets. They're featuring functional mushroom extracts that'll give you more energy, more stamina, and recovery as well. And who couldn't use all of that? 
The other thing is, they are these adorable little mushroom-shaped tablets, and they come in like a little Altoids box, but way cooler than Altoids because they're mycolites. Anyways, head to wholesunwellness.com to grab yourself some mycolites and all of the other functional medicinal mushrooms that you and your family need. And of course, you can grab that link right here in the show notes now. 